1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to
0: come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Alright, so it was the Tampa Bay Rays by two touchdowns over the Yankees. Uh, Derek Sharp, I didn't see that coming after watching the Rays struggle to score any runs, it seemed. Um, they had one of these innings that you just don't see in baseball very often, man. I think Eleven straight guys maybe got up there and banged some. Of there was a bunch of home runs. It was crazy how they jumped all over them. But fourteen to nothing, you just don't see those scores very often in baseball.
0: Well, what finally happened is the uh, pitching depth. You know, you get to down to the back end of that Yankees uh, rotation. Yeah. That Cole guy. <laughs> You're right. That's when you tee off. <laughs> yeah, that was. Right. Uh, we kind of needed that one. Obviously, we all love to panic. So um, sure, Yankees have been blowing all these leads, and not against the Rays, but mm, they're gonna be tough for them to come back and win that one. So that sets up this weekend a little bit more nicely, I would say. Yeah,
1: big series against the Boston Red Sox uh starting uh today and and uh obviously they they want to run down them in the American League East. I uh, I think maybe uh despite, you know, and an in well, along with the bats waking up, which they absolutely needed to do. Um I think that the big thing was that Louis Patino, six innings, gives up just three hits. He's the guy that they need to step up. Uh, I mean, he's a young pitcher. Obviously, he was part of the Blake Snell trade, uh, spent a little more time in Durham. He's come back now, and they are absolutely going to create a spot in the rotation for him, particularly if you pitch anything like he did against that Yankee lineup.
0: Isn't that funny how it works out? Sometimes you put up a 14 spot, and really the pitching might be the the, the biggest story in the long run anyway. 'Cause you know, you win seven nothing or fourteen nothing. Really, what's the difference? But to, right. to have a guy like Patino show out like that, uh, especially since it looks like the team is gonna give Chris Archer another uh twelve triple A starts.
1: <laughs> really? That <Not> many? <laughs> I
0: mean it's like he, he pitched well in his fourth start and he's gonna get a That's fifth right. this weekend and then maybe a sixth. I know, right? <laughs> I'm not too anxious to bring Arch up here, but
1: I guess when, they, when he does, he'll be nice and stretched out, as they say. What's not going to happen for the Rays, it appears, is that the Nationals' uh, ace, Max Scherzer, who everybody was clamoring for, and rightfully so. The guy's a bulldog. You'd love to have him for the po- stretch run in the postseason. Well, you might see him in the World Series. Scherzer's headed out west, and I think that's what he wanted. From what I read in the reports, he wanted to, if he was going to have his druthers, and I, I imagine they would want to accommodate him a little bit, um that's that's kind of where he was looking at the NL west
0: I guess you can go ahead and put him down for the guy that they're gonna call on in the in the playoff wildcard wild card game unless they come back on the Giants really, really solid position to be one of those two wild cards in fact, you could add probably right now gonna have them both out of the west so right. I, I'm sure they're thinking specifically about that. whatever happened no. to national- whatever happened to the nationals by the way gosh I could, don't know April um,
1: yeah, I mean that was a win a world series and then, and then collapse under Davey Martinez. I, I, I guess uh, I know they've had some injuries, uh, you know, things, things that have happened to their pitching staff. It's usually the pitching that, that, that wears out first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've uh, and then, and then they lost some pieces too, you know, so um, that happens after you win a world series, but they've had a, a rough year and now they're sellers instead of buyers. But I still think with the deadline coming up, uh, what is it tomorrow? Or as you, as you hear this podcast today, yep. later this afternoon, we'll see if the Rays make a deal. I, am sure that they've, they, they were on the phone with Sh- about Scherzer. They probably, uh, trying to make deals even as we record this podcast and may have made one before, um, you listen to it. But, um, you know, I, I, I gotta believe the Rays feel like they're right there. Obviously they made the deal for Nelson Cruz. He's now, uh, a little nicked up with, uh, with a foot injury, but, uh, but listen, this series is the one. And then following them, uh, the homestand against Seattle, those are big games uh, that's going to go a long way to uh, propel them one way or the other in this American League East. So they're right there. And, you know, the, it's just the injuries. I think I heard where, I don't know, they got like 14 pitchers maybe that's the, that are on the IL or been on the IL. I mean, you just look at last year and the staff that was in the American League, uh, you know, uh, championship playoffs and the World Series, and there's only – Maybe two or three pitchers remaining, um, you know, from that whole crew. So they've completely had to rebuild their staff, and even some of the guys that they got to do that with are now injured. So um, it's 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 remarkable that they've hung in there because this is a team that needs pitching. They don't they don't bash you to death. They they actually win by defense and pitching. And you know, to have as many injuries as they've had uh, and still be right, you know, right there in the thick of things uh, behind Boston. With the Red Sox coming into the trop, I think that's that's a credit to the organization, to Kevin Cash and all those guys. But uh, today we have, of course, our popular mailbag segment. Uh, Derek Sharp will be spitting out the uh, the questions that you all have sent in, either by Twitter or email. We've got lots of them on the Bucks and the Rays and uh, the Lightning, too, I believe. So uh, without further ado, and we'll talk a little bit about the SEC and these questions as well, let's get started.
0: Absolutely, and that's the uh, topic that uh, certainly over the last couple of days, with uh, the lightning getting it going, that we'll hit on, and of course, a couple of questions about the SEC and the offshoot of what's happening there. So we'll mm-hmm. basically cover everything here. But wait, let's start off with the Buccaneers. Why not? Okay. Matthias Martin had an interesting uh, comment via Twitter. He's curious about the development of the Bucks' offense. Everybody knows they're pretty set at quarterback, but he didn't really. Like particularly well, the play calling last year. Super Bowl was an exception, which is a good time to really have it humming along. But uh, in his opinion, too many third and longs, not enough layups for Tom Brady in the offense. There were some games where it did seem like it took about a half to get it going. So uh, the development of the offense, right.
1: Uh, as uh, late John McKay would say, I'm all for it. Um, I, I just think that, you know, and, and, and he's right. You even saw this a little bit in the postseason. I mean, look, they, they converted. If you go back and watch some of those games against, uh, New Orleans, um, certainly against green Bay, that first series, I don't know how many third and longs that Tom Brady was able to convert in that first drive for a touchdown, the opening drive of the game. Um, it's always a problem, and and you always want to be ahead of the sticks, as they say, and you know have a third and and at least third and four or shorter, uh, because the the odds are are much more in your favor. I, I think a lot of things. One is the offense doesn't lend itself, um, at least the way it was constructed under Bruce Arians when when Tom got here. Um, you know they're not looking to dink and dunk and and really have you know ten or twelve play drives. They want to get in the end zone in about five or six plays. So I think when you're pushing the ball as much as they do down the field uh, you're going to have some second and tens you're going to have some third and sevens and and it's just you know the nature of the offense I mean they're sacrificing um, you know some of that ball possession uh, for splash plays for for scoring plays and that's sort of the way that Bruce has has believed that that you do it now since Tom came here uh, we you know we have seen sort of an adaptation between him and Byron Left, which as the season wore on, particularly after they were seven and five, um, you saw more of a commitment to the running game. You saw more pre snap motion to give Brady some some cues. You saw uh, you know certainly more play action, which is something that he needs to get away from the pass rush. Uh, again, forty three years old, soon to be forty four next week. Um, that's that's just something he requires, and so I really believe that you know, a couple things. One, I, I do think that they'll start out the season much more balanced in terms of running the football. That'll help their defense because, you know, when you when you do go three and out, it puts a lot of pressure on those guys. You end up having to come from behind and you throw away too much. Uh and and so again, that's not going to help you on third down. Um so so there'll be a more of a commitment to the run game. But more the most important thing uh with converting those third downs or maybe staying out of some of them uh, is simply that, you know, having running backs uh, or having a running back like Giovanni Bernard, I think, is a huge, huge addition. Because if you look at Tom Brady and his, particularly his last, uh, I don't know, four or five years in New England, uh, he was always one that would absolutely take what it, what a defense was giving them. and And that meant he threw a lot of balls and completed a lot of balls to his running backs. And Giovanni Bernard is a terrific receiver. He's not just a guy that's going to catch one in the flat or a screen pass. He can actually split out, line up, uh, run the route tree, uh, create a mismatch on a linebacker or safety, um, and has terrific hands and makes a lot of yards after the catch. So I think with as many vertical routes as Bruce Arians likes to run, that that opens up the you know the middle of the field and, and underneath for a guy like like uh, Giovanni who I think is going to create a lot of first downs and whether he does that on second down or third down doesn't really matter but I think you're going to stay out of some of those simply because that Tom will have that safety valve that he was really used to because you know both Rojo and you know and Fournette um, were sort of his targets and at one point Fournette became the third down back over Shady McCoy, and both those guys ended up with, like, seven drops each. And you go, well, that's seven drops. Doesn't seem – well, that's a lot because you're talking about, you know, every time you have one of those, it could have been three more players or six more plays, you know, because they happen on third down. So, yeah, that's why I think, uh, you know, there's some optimism as far as the way the offense is developing. And just the fact that they've been in it in a year and Tom is the mirror with spitting out the plays and the people he's with. Uh, Also, you'll have a guy like O.J. Howard potentially coming back from the Achilles injury, which gives him one more big target and guy that can make big plays. So yeah, I would be optimistic, uh, on the third down conversions.
0: Interesting. Giovanni Bernard going to be a big factor. It sounds like, okay, I don't know if this is his actual name or a sort of a handle. His name is open mind. Uh, he wants to know and he would love to know how they're going to be able to stay motivated. Uh, I think the answer is number 12, but, uh, he's worried that the team is maybe just assuming it's just going to be an automatic trip to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's always that, um, You know, I I think it's human nature when you go through something like they did to um, to have a difficult time turning the page, because um, the first thing you realize when you're in this situation is that no two years are the same. I mean, um, just look at your own life. Right. Like you you could have a greatest year and then something's going to be a little bit different, even though you have the same wife, the same kids and the same job uh, stuff happens. And so. Uh, I think you learn very quickly, and it starts usually in football with injuries. You get guys hurt that weren't hurt the year before. And that could change that can change everything, right? Particularly when you're talking about a forty-four year old quarterback. So, um, that's the first thing. It's the motivation I would agree it's it's gonna be uh emanating mostly from Brady, who has had to uh to navigate the efforts to repeat. He's only he did it uh he's the last quarterback to do it like sixteen years ago or something like oh three, oh four. Um, but he's been in this situation. He's not going to take his foot off the gas pedal. I think I, I, par- I think there's parallels, Derek, to the Lightning. You know, those guys recognized they had won in the bubble. They didn't get the full experience, the full fan experience. You could argue the Bucks didn't either. I mean, they had 25,000 uh, people at a Super Bowl in their own hometown. Imagine what that would have been like with 70 or 75,000. Um, if they expanded the attendance and they were all Bucks fans or the majority of them, they had healthcare workers and all of that. They played in a lot of empty stadiums or mostly empty stadiums. Um, and they also know this, that much like the lightning, this is the last time that this group may be together. I mean, 22 guys came back as starters. Many of those were free agents and they're guys that, you know, in Dhammakan, Sue, Levante, David guys at the end of their careers, um, that want to do this again, you know, together, uh, they know that the, that there's not much sand in the hourglass so they're going to uh you know win with the same essentially the same team that they had a year ago they enjoy each other uh they're an unselfish group uh because i think of where they're at in their careers um that's true also of Mike Evans who you know probably has a lot of football left in him but he's willing to you know give up yards and touches for guys like Antonio Brown who's going to play 17 games this year so I think it's a special group, and I think they all recognize that they want to do it again, and they want the full experience. You know, um, it's it's a hell of a lot of fun to win. It was for them last year, uh, and the Super Bowl is in LA this year. But uh, you put sixty-five thousand fans in a stadium every week, even if they're rooting against you, um, it certainly adds to to the experience. So I think for all those reasons, I wouldn't worry about the motivation. It's just simply. You know, can they stay healthy enough and, and get a few breaks? There's certainly a good enough football team in this division, but don't count anybody out. I was reading, um, if you can believe this, it was the first practice of the New Orleans Saints. Who do you think they were raving about how he looked? One oh, Jameis man. Winston.
0: Yeah, go figure. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, you never know. You know, you might have a tough time just just winning your own division. Everything's different. but um, But, yeah, motivation, I wouldn't worry about
0: that. I'm sorry. I just got flashbacks to the whole uh, Jameis <laughs> Mariota thing that carried our station oh back then for about five months straight. He <laughs> was almost as good as Allstott and Pittman. That's right. God, the whole year of oh man, we got to pick one or the other, and then they both performed well in the Super Bowl, winning game. Go figure. <laughs> Anyway, right. and it was interesting you mentioned Antonio Brown getting in seventeen games. I guess that's why he can show up an hour late. Did a Coach uh, right. ever get to the bottom of that with you guys?
1: No. In fact, his first press conference, he says, "I just want you guys to know, I'm not going to talk about players that are here, players that aren't here, players that are hurt, players that aren't hurt." <laughs> so we've never got the uh, full experience as to why, why Antonio Brown could walk out when he felt like it. But he's actually been going. Um, he's actually been going uh, at the beginning of practice now. The last, the last two. So. I, I suppose whatever it was that was getting him out there late, he's now put behind him, whatever that was.
0: Our man Joey Johnston stirring the pot here uh, with a simple and yet thought-provoking question. Is there a plus side to Tom Brady playing any exhibition snaps? It's almost like an attorney's question. Like um he's thinking that they should they don't need to play him, I guess. Yeah. That's question
1: well, I mean, I think if you look at at Brady's history, i I'm not sure he played many or any. There were I know there's been some preseasons where Brady did not play at all in New England. Um, and not just when he was coming off an ACL. I mean, there were there were years I think up there where he just didn't do it. And um I would say that there is no upside really to playing him um at all. And you know, the reason I say it is, is that, you know, he, he is the reason why you won a Super Bowl. As great as the rest of the team is, and we can talk about the defense and the weapons and all of this. We all know that, that it was Tom Brady and, and his arrival here that, that, that changed the whole culture, changed everything, and mostly because of his ability to still play the position. And so uh, you can't lose him. Now, you know, it's, I think a year ago, it would have made sense had they had preseason. He probably would have wanted to be out there because, you know, his first snap against another team was literally in game one at New Orleans when they had had no preseason games at all and very little uh, warm up to the training camp. Um, so, you know, now that he knows the offense, um, he's getting all the reps uh, with the first, you know, the first unit in practice every day. The other thing that you have a benefit from is they're going to play. Uh, the Houston Texans, I believe. Is it, No, is it Houston? Who's coming here? Uh, no, Houston's on the road, I believe. Who is? Oh, Tennessee. So the Tennessee Titans are coming here for a preseason game. But that week, they're going to have some controlled scrimmages against the Titans uh, ramping up to the game. That's when you want to play Tom Brady, because the, those quarterbacks for both sides, Ryan Tannehill and him will have a red shirt on. No one can hit them, presumably. Uh, and you know, then you're able to get the look at full speed against guys that that don't know your plays. You don't know their defense. You're going to have to react. That's really all he'll need, I think. Um, getting getting into the regular season. There's only three games anyway. You were not going to play many starters if at all in that third game, which is now like a fourth preseason game when they had four. Then there's a week in between uh, the ramp up to when they play that Thursday night against Dallas. So, um, I Joey, I don't see a single positive i mean what's he going to do stand back there and hand the ball off i mean i don't i don't see any scenario where you'd want him to drop back and throw the ball um on on the off chance that just one of your offensive linemen were to get beat and he got hit it just there's just not enough reward for that risk and for that reason it would surprise me and i would have something to say to bruce arians and it's a good question to ask and we could ask him the next time we see him um if he's and i'm sure he's thought about it but i, I would be shocked if he played this preseason
0: well, that is something to keep in mind, especially if you're plunking down a lot of money for those preseason games. That's uh, <laughs> right. a good point. <laughs> let's generate
1: that bet on preseason football. <laughs>
0: oh, gosh, don't even get me started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, just watch the games, people. Okay, let's move on to college and, of course, the big story that we've talked about a lot here on the show, which incidentally, since we uh, really played it up and it kind of slipped past us, the last show you did with Tom was indeed the one thousandth episode. So beautiful. Post haste. Da, 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 we're a thousand and one right here.
1: Isn't it did great that we, uh, the three of us were there for that. I just, uh, I, I'm true. sorry, Steve didn't make it, but there's something apropos about that. I think <laughs> it's terrific.
0: Yeah. So a thousand and one should be fun. Let's go with, uh, <laughs> of course, now listen, the SEC, and this is right to the point with Eric Smith asking the question, is the SEC trying to form its own offshoot? Basically at all the top brand schools, you'd have multiple divisions and you just kind of do your own thing in the end. I know there was a good article I think the athletic had it about how it could be like the Premier League. Even Dabo Swinney uh commented, "Yeah, just have like 40 teams in that thing, make it the Premier League. Like Clemson's going to definitely be in there, and then a uh, 12-team playoff. And if you stink, you have to move down to the other league. But uh, what's going to come of this? It's not in the next couple of years, but eventually, maybe. I, I do
1: think that that's the the Le grand plan because I, I don't, I don't, you know, listen. You don't invite." teams like texas and oklahoma there um unless unless you're gonna make this thing larger and larger and divide up the money and and make more and more revenue um off those brands i mean they're obviously uh looking for brands uh and and we know that tv revenue is what's behind it um it probably espn the 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 uh the mothership uh, in particular and so um I could see in, in time them having a, a Super Liga, uh where, you know, you, you have two or three divisions and you control you control football. Here's the question that I would have for you, Derek, is do we think Kentucky or Vanderbilt are going to survive this in the SEC? What division are they going to be in? What about Ole Miss and Mississippi State? And, um, you know, some some of those teams like, um, you know, I don't. They may, but if if they do, they're all going to be in, in, you know, it's going to be a larger conference and you're going to divide them up and try to make it as equitable as possible in those divisions. But I I don't know how else you do this. If you're going to get big, you're going to get very big and you're going to control your own – you're going to control college football, basically. Um, And I don't know what happens to the Pac-12 or the, uh, you know, the Big 12 dissolves into something else. I I don't have the answer to any of those questions. The Big Ten, I think – Will, will survive um, in, in some form or fashion, but maybe they get big too. Maybe Indiana right. um, doesn't get invited and, and Rutgers goes away. You know, there, There's always those possibilities that you're going to have changes all throughout the landscape of all these conferences. So um, I, I don't know what, I think we're heading into the unknown, but I, I know people a lot smarter than me have thought about this for a long time. And we're just now starting to see what the what the plan may be, but it certainly involves big brands um, in an already, you know, remarkably, uh, you know, tough conference for football. So I don't know what else they would do, but, but, but form a super league.
0: I'm telling you, it's just going to be strange. And if it really does go in that direction, I hope it's not anytime soon because no. it's all about greed at that point, but exactly, uh, you would have the remainder, remainder of the conferences essentially. Cause I think the big 12 would be gone. You'd have the other three formed together and some other counter big conference. And it would be crazy, but what we haven't thought about in all this, you know the other sports are they gonna all mm. you know, how, how's a how's a 40 team basketball conference gonna do they, will, <laughs> they won't be able, able to all play each other so right uh, i gotta say i don't like it i i kind of hope it calms down uh right certainly something has to be resolved when it comes to the big 12 teams and yep. unless they just end up calling them all yeah I, right I, mean, I don't know i don't know what's gonna happen i, I think from the usf standpoint and Actually, someone had a good question. i got to find his name here if I can't. Sorry. Oh, here it is. Al Lansdale, he says, does the Big 12 stuff, which in essence, meaning that those teams, some of them could end up in the American, and let's say that plays out that way. Does that help or hurt USF in football, especially with the 12-team playoff? i got to be honest, it might hurt a little bit. I mean, it's going to be a tougher conference. It's going to (laughs) be tough to get out of it, Uh, but... Uh, multiple teams at the same time could end up coming out of the American at that time. We're ways away from this, but uh, that's a thought provoking question because you want to say, Oh, this is great. But as far as making the college football playoff, that's going to be tough.
1: Yeah. They picked a bad time to, to be on a downswing and I know they plan on building it back up real fast with Jeff Scott, but I mean, here's the thing. And I think you can almost like, maybe I'm wrong, Derek. Here's my thought about, you know, some of the conference stuff is that, um, You know, like basketball, um, you know, there was a time when Gonzaga was not going to go to the NCAA and win it. You know, Butler was not going to be in the final. Like, they expanded that tournament to so many teams. And now, places like Gonzaga, that's a destination school. And why? Because you can win a national championship there. You know, um, I think it's fair to say, as we sit here today, you're probably not going to see an American Athletic Conference team invited to the party. You know, now when they expand, maybe maybe that changes to 12 teams or whatever. Um, I hope so. Um, you know, Damn last man. year, whether that would have been Cincinnati or whomever, you certainly could make a great case for that. But if they are going to film, film uh, form these super leagues? I, d- I don't know. But I do know this, that, you know, it, it, it if I can if I can get there, if I can get to a national title because I've got, you know, high end teams in my conference, which might be what the American ends up with. Uh, when if if and when the Big 12 dissolves or whatever I think it helps everybody because you know um, kids may stay home and say look I'm playing against these teams on on TV and if our team gets really good we have a chance to go to a national championship I don't know but I think in general I don't think you just you know say well they'll never be able to compete with with, you know Clemson Miami or whoever were to come aboard it's like nah but you know that's kind of where you want to be you want to be in that in that mix. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong as rain, but if you, if you look at college basketball, I don't think it hurt those other teams when they expanded the tournament.
0: Great point. You kind of changed my tune there. If you guys heard the uh, alert on my phone, that was the Anthony Rizzo going to the New York Yankees. Is that news? Whoa! while we're recording this. oh, oh,
1: And I love Rizzo and I hate the Yankees just because I, you know, it's
0: easy to hate the Yankees, but (laughs) wow. Wow. I know that they had Joey Gallo, lefty slugger and Anthony Rizzo. So oh they are they are making a run there for sure. Mm. Those spunky little Yankees, let me tell you. And then mm. some, someone else wanted to, I guess, they're uh, kind of from the Oklahoma angle. How long is it going to take? Listen, Oklahoma is a team that kind of is that fourth team, right? They win the Big 12. They do their thing. Then they get the crap beat out of them in the playoff. So what's it going to be like for them getting into the SEC? Um, is it going to be a situation where they're, right back in the playoffs, but maybe as a second or a third or a fourth team, or are they going to struggle at first?
1: They got to learn to play defense. Yeah. Those them in Texas. I mean, you know, you know what you're going to find out in the sec is that they play both sides of the ball. Like it's not just a pat and go league, you know, it's not seven on seven. I mean, and I've had people say, Oh, come on. That's not fair. There's good players in, in, in the big 12 on defense. Eh, No, not really. Um, there's probably a couple, but in general, you know, it's a track meet. So you can't, you're not going to have the ball enough to, to, to play that way. You're going to have to find a way to to, uh, to become a little more balanced. I think uh, if you're going to play against SEC competition every week, it's kind of like what Jimbo Fisher said: "Hey, careful what you wish for,
0: yeah, right?" That was I mean,
1: you know, Texas was having a tough time competing in the Big Twelve. They certainly weren't knocking off Oklahoma anytime soon. So, I mean, they <laughs> you know, listen. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough. But much like A and I'm sure when they joined the SEC. All of a sudden there were some players going, Yeah, I like to play in that conference. You know, I'll stay here at AM and and and, and go up against the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Floridas of the world. That sounds pretty cool to me. So that that it might also take place with Texas now. You know, maybe their program gets a little better from being in the SEC. I don't know. But I yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma is gonna take a step back. I mean, they're gonna find out that you're not gonna throw for five hundred yards a game. Um it's just gonna be tough.
0: The uh, As you were giving your answer, it was funny. The Texas football official Twitter account just put out a, a quick three-second video, and it was it. It was uh, Matt McConaughey looking at the camera, nodding <laughs> his head nodding <laughs> his head, and winking.
1: <laughs> all right, all right, <laughs> no, all right.
0: No, no words yeah. needed, No words needed, that's baby. What that's what he's thinking, what he's saying right there. I love it. Uh-huh. All right, that covers uh, college football. I thought John Prowl had some interesting questions as we're taking you through the mailbag here. Yep. Uh, Top athletes you'd like to have an interview with and maybe off shooting with that, the best interview uh, that you've ever actually done and and maybe the worst interview, Rick.
1: Wow. I hate to call out names, but I will. The worst uh, was probably when we, uh, we were on with uh, Tom and yourself and um, uh, the great Rick Odioso. of course, who who does a great job at Valspar, love him. Former Bucks PR guy broke cut my teeth uh with Rick Odioso over there with the Bucks. Um he was trying to get us golfers for that uh grand tournament. And He's I helping think us uh out, no doubt yep. helping us out. And then one day and listen, when I say this, I am not I'm not heaping blame on this golfer. It's more about, it's more about us than it probably was him. But in terms of its awkwardness Danny Lee called in and Danny Lee, uh, has been on the tour for, for a while. He's had some success, obviously born in South Korea. He, he, uh, immigrated to New Zealand. Zealand, Yeah. So he's a New Zealander at that time, but regardless, it wasn't a language thing. It was just, we simply could not get him to expand on anything. It was one of those interviews where you ask a question. He has like a four or five word response. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Derek, if I'm mistaken, we asked him at some point because he was talking about Houston. Um, which I don't know if he was living there or from there, what, what was going on, but we, we asked him about if he was, if he followed sports and I believed he, he named the wrong Houston team or the wrong sport for that team or something. Right. I can't recall. Yeah. Uh, whether yeah. he said the Texans, when he meant the, the Astros, but regardless it was, it just never, it it just did. It just never was, took off It never took off. It was awkward from the start and into the, and to the end. I did an interview one time with another writer. He's a baseball writer. I'm not going to mention him. Mm-hmm. I was by myself. It, was one, it wasn't even in the early days. I was just by myself, which I had been by myself before. And Tom, I think, was covering the hockey uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And I had this, this national baseball writer on at one point. Derek, I called him by the wrong name three different, three different ways. Because like oh, I, just, I, just, no. I was watching the clock, and I, was, and I really didn't know the guy. Oh, no. And I think he corrected me every time. Uh-huh. And he got annoyed, and rightfully so. And I apologized before I got off the air because I had butchered this interview so poorly. It happens sometimes. It happens, folks, especially when you're doing live anything, right? Right. Um, so those are the two worst. The best, I, I mean, listen, I'm trying to think of who I've talked to that would. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good players over the years, you know, the John Lynches and those guys are always great True. interviews. I, I let don't let know me that you,
0: let me tell you, USF the 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 star of the softball team is the funniest interview. Uh Georgina Corrick. I mean Really? Yeah. If you go back uh on some of the posts I put up on our um, USF Bulls Unlimited SoundCloud page, just type Georgina coric and, and trust me. Like it, yeah. some some that you look so forward to interviewing. Really, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh man, they they gave me this incredible thought-provoking answer. Just funny, just, just a funny, just girl. very yeah.
1: enjoyable. So that's my example. That's a good one. I I don't, you know, I, I just too many for me to think of off the top sure. of my hand. I'll sure. say this: uh, I've never had a bad uh, conversation with Rob Gronkowski. He's one of the, he's <laughs> one of the more up guys. I mean, he is uniquely is who he appears to be. Although he's very serious about football, he's an extremely smart football player. You know, he kind of plays. Plays off the you know sort sort of not being that, but he's very intelligent and he's a great businessman, to boot. And I've talked to his father, who's who's a great interview as well. Gordy has like five sons that all play professional something, but I've never had a bad anything um, with Rob Gronkowski. Just a hell of a lot of fun and a really smart smart player.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. So those the interview questions. Let's see. Oh yeah, he also asked, has anyone ever accurately guessed how to spell my name? On the first guess. There's no way, right? It actually happened once in my life, but just because I set it up so, like, it's very unusual, and I gave, it was somebody I met at the beach, this was in Longboat Key, like 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and she was like, okay, I said it's five letters, the second one, get you. So, she was smart. She's like, well, then is it D A? And then Mm -hmm. she went from there. Yep. Yep, they got it people, the first time. Yeah, but again, I kind of, you I kind of, kind of gave started, her a hint. I set right? it up. I said, "It's a, you're not going to get it." And here's a clue. So it's D A R E K. Mm-hmm. It's it's German, basically the spelling. Uh, I tried to get my parents to explain. They really didn't have a good explanation. They're just like <laughs> we wanted it to be a little different. And uh, I like it. Mean, I like it. I think it's great. Well, the only other person have seen it spelled that way that's not European is an old. He he used to play football at Bartow. His dad was the coach. I want to say the last name was Smith, but it was Derek Smith. Wow. And that's how it was spelled. And I'm pretty sure someone else that wrote an article in the Times was thinking of my spelling and spelled somebody's name that way, but it was the wrong spelling for that name. So mm. it, it happens. It happens. Uh, I love this one. Uh, Jeff Finley. He, first of all, likes the the Bolts getting Corey Perry. A lot has happened over the last couple of days. Braden Point. A lot of players have gone elsewhere, which we knew was going to happen. This is kind of, uh, the coming around of the whole salary cap, I think the bolts have handled it well, but he also wants to know now with point, maybe in the conversation, essentially who uh, gets left off, who gets bumped off, if you will, the Mount Rushmore of Tampa Bay lightning. Now, let me just go ahead and make this comment. Uh, it's, it's not on my hit list yet. There are some cliches in sports that I hate. Punch their ticket yes, is number do. one. I actually saw a little little league softball like Indiana, Ohio. The winner was going to the Little League World Series. This was yesterday. I got I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I think it was Drew Felios. It was a, a kind of a national regional call. And he actually said in Ohio or Indiana, whichever it was, punches the ticket. No. So so Mount Rushmore is definitely not there. It's starting to get there though. Okay. I'm I'm ready to retire Mount Rushmore. In fact, I would say we've had it, so many of these conversations that I want to do a Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore's, <laughs> which is the most impressive Mount Rushmore. <laughs> but as far as the lightnings go, what uh, Mar- Marty St. Louis, the controversial one, uh, but I think he's got to be on there. Oh, he's
1: got to be on there, yeah. What do
0: you say? Stammer, and then who else?
1: Uh, I think LeCavier's on there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh,
1: I think uh, Stammer's on there. You know, it's going to be – it's not so hard with Braden Point. I think where it's going to get hard is when you have guys like Victor Hedman and then eventually, uh, you know, I mean – Andre Vasilevsky is going to be on that Mount Rushmore at some point, yeah. so you might need a couple of Mount Rushmores. The Mount <laughs> Rushmore of Mount Rushmore is probably the one that uh, that they always do with greatest athletes ever. You know, it's like, wait a minute, yeah. any sport? Yeah, any sport. Yeah, uh, you okay. know why?
0: You know why uh, we got to do this? Because we got to say intimate that, you know, whoever loses the Kobe LeBron fight is terrible. It's terrible. And now we can say bad things about them. It's just so stupid.
1: Terrible. Yeah. But you know, Tiger Woods, uh, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, and then then Muhammad Ali. No, wait a minute. So yeah, it's just, it gets crazy when you just, let's just include everything. Um, But yeah, the Mount Rushmore's of Mount Rushmore's is really funny. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Uh, But our buddy, Greg DeCruz says uh, he's coming to town for, Beginning of football season, so he's going to be in town for the Bucks opener. He wants to know which of these, uh, I think is has got to be number one easily, but he says which of these four is most likely to happen. Uh, the Bucs beating the Cowboys. Okay, that's not exactly crazy. The Gators beat USF by at least 30. The NFL cuts back on full stadium capacity due to COVID developments. And he doesn't get to watch any games because there'll be a hurricane.
1: <laughs> well, um, we could call Paul Delgado or whatever. I, I, <laughs> listen, I, I think of all of those, first of all, I can never predict college football. Couldn't tell you what's going to happen in that one. Um, Same here. I can promise you the NFL is not cutting back on the state. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come well, hell or high water or COVID. Uh, no, I'm with you. I think it's number one. I think you get, you, you're you exactly right. I think the most likely is that the Bucks beat the Cowboys because um, – they're, they should be and are better than the Cowboys as a football team. The Cowboys um, have had some changes, obviously. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy's in his second year. Dan Quinn is a first-year defensive coordinator. they got a lot of problems on defense they're trying to solve. This is their first game. They're going up against what should be a fairly high-powered offense, so one that's going to have probably all their guys healthy, at least in the opener um, a home game on top of that fans, you know, uh, celebrating the raising of the banner or whatever the hell they do. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. screaming their lungs out for Tom Brady and a sold out Raymond James. This hasn't happened in two, three, four, five, how many years? So yeah, for that reason, um, I, I think the most likely thing is that they, they beat the Cowboys. I couldn't tell you if it's going to be a close game, a blowout, what, um, but that's certainly the deck is stacked in their favor and it should be for the, for the defending champs. And, um, it's a great opportunity for Dallas, but I don't know that they're going to be quite ready um, to take on what, what should be uh, a pretty comfortable Tampa Bay team, whose previous game was the Super Bowl against Kansas City, is a much better football team than Dallas was, and they got twenty-two starters back. So that's the one. Although I appreciate all the other uh, the other uh, questions on that. That, that, that. All of those, I'd say, I say there's a good chance maybe the NFL will not cut back for sure i i don't know that the gate the others i couldn't predict i really couldn't i wouldn't wouldn't want to go out on a limb
0: well this was pretty cool that's my first uh run through the mailbag yeah. and we're, we're kind of out of time when it comes to it but uh yeah, hey, fantastic. Load, load them up for next week i'll be here again with you next week i also have to put out this footnote i know you mentioned usf picking a tough time to struggle matt Baker wrote an article that was on the Times website that, of course, uh, naturally provoked a negative reaction from the bull side. It was pretty fair. But the only thing I would add that was ironic is that he used this um, metaphor. I guess it was the old Houston coach saying, hey, he wanted to have the carpets professionally cleaned every two weeks in case there were any five-star recruits. But at some point, it's kind of too late to clean the carpets. So his strand throughout the article was uh the bull uss football program right now it has dirty carpets ironically i was there <laughs> i knew it. it. <laughs> you're kidding me i was there yesterday <laughs> and i'm Man. like are those new carpets <laughs> I, i'm sorry matt you gotta change you gotta go back and rewrite yeah. They Listen, have this is what's called they are clean, this- they are noticeable, they are beautiful and they basically line any path that a football recruit oh, I'm not oh, making this is, up would, Oh, my would take. goodness. So their carpets, that's not the problem. Unless he wants to go back to the fact that it's, you know, too late t- to do that, but they definitely have done it. They have That is too up- funny. upgraded their carpets and every- everything else. So oh, the my media goodness. the media will be um actually have the schedule uh, the first Uh, situation uh, next Tuesday, the first opportunity, I should say, to look at the new facilities, or at least the upgrades is going to be next Tuesday. And he and everybody else will get to, if he comes, uh, will be able to get to see the carpets. That
1: is too funny. Well, that see, even your metaphors, you have to fact check. It just, yes, it just exactly. never ends. Exactly. You, you, just, you, you just can't even use a metaphor <laughs> without knowing those carpets haven't been cleaned. How or do replaced. you not know that? <laughs> That's right. See, if you come over here more, you'd have known that we replaced oh, wait,
0: them. Wait until Jeff Scott. I'm sure on Tuesday. I, I just, he's funny. He's oh, like, it's right coming. Now, he, he can take anything, and I bet you, he says that hey, pretty carpet's looking pretty good, aren't they? Yeah. So you guys walked in on them carpets; they're pretty clean.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Well, it's been uh, it's been a great first week. We'll try to do this successfully next week as Steve continues his vacation. I'm sure we'll have Tom Jones back with us. The Bucks uh, continue, of course, uh, their training camp uh, in the the big series. It's Rays Red Sox at the Trop. Um, Going to be a big one, of course, uh, uh, this weekend, and then they continue that home stand uh, against the Mariners. But we will be back on Monday to talk with you. So for Derek Sharp, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.